Good evening. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. <laughs> That's simple. And it, does a kid get that? The only way that can take place is for the Lord's sake. Wear the mask. Was that hard two years ago? Boy, it was a whole lot of hard two years ago. But I ain't doing it. <laughs> well, that ain't submitting to every ordinance of man, is it? Don't park here. It's no parking zone. Merge. You are to indicate, I've been wanting to say this for two months, you are to indicate the lane change whenever you are merging into traffic. Click, 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 click. Do it. <laughs> you know, the only way the difference between a child of God doing what man says and a legalist that will die and burn in hell for the law he's trying to keep is, it says down there, a conscience towards God. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience towards God endureth grief. The only difference is the heart. The only difference is the heart. And buddy, I tell you what, we can't tell. God has to look on the heart. We can get a good idea if they're kicking and spotting and, well, I ain't doing that. <laughs> you look, remind them of Christ, and if they still act that way, yeah, it might be a problem. All right, let's turn over to John chapter 11. I'm going to say some, a couple controversial things this evening, but I have an obligation to do so. Um, this isn't controversial. Uh, fall back Saturday night. Set your clocks back. You just sleep a whole hour. And that'll come in handy because we're having a big meal Sunday morning. And I actually found two turkeys. Thanks to Miss Sarah, shot me a text, told me where to get them. Now we'll see if they turn out okay. <laughs> we may be getting fried chicken from Albertsons. I don't know. And I hope everybody had a good Halloween. I saw a bunch of pictures. Young people are, uh, are a blessing to a pastor. And I'm thankful. I saw a lot of pictures from other assemblies where all the kids would get together and they go trick-or-treating together. And uh, that was nice. That's good to see. I was thankful for that. All right, here in John 11, we're going to look at at least the first three verses. If we have time, maybe the fourth. John 11, verse 1 says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother's Lazarus was sick. Therefore, because he's sick, this certain man, his sisters sent unto him, saying, praying, petitioning. You don't need a thesaurus. Behold, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, not unto eternal death, not unto the death that sin deserves. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Hmm. I kind of got stuck on that this week. It says in verse 1, Now a certain Man was sick. A certain man. Most of the time in the scriptures, whenever it refers to a certain man or a certain woman, that's the Lord's man. That's the Lord's woman. That's his child. A certain man was sick, named Lazarus. 
Okay, well, now we know who he's talking about. Well, there's more than one Lazarus. No, this is a Bethany. <laughs> well, maybe there's more than one Lazarus in Bethany. Maybe it was in a different generation. Is that what you're talking No, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. <laughs> That's real specific, isn't it? That's real specific. A certain man, Lazarus of Bethany, same town as Mary and Martha, very specific. You know why? Others were sick in that town. Maybe there was another Lazarus that was sick in that town. There's some other people in this world that was sick at that time, weren't they? Others, others were sick in that area, I'm sure. But this was the Lord's child, Lazarus. He said over in Luke 4, I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the day of Elias when the heavens were shut up three years and six months. Great famine was throughout the land. There's a whole lot of widows. But unto none of them was Elias sent except to one woman, one widow, one Gentile widow. And he said, there's many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed. None of them was cleansed of leprosy. None of them, saving Naaman, the Syrian. Except for an old Gentile. The Lord said that and they got real mad at him because they knew he was telling the truth. But he's speaking here of one person, a certain person, Lazarus. He was sick. That sickness was created and given to Lazarus. We're going to see why here soon. But it was on purpose. Everything's created for the Lord's people. Everything's created for His people. You eat a banana, God made that banana for you. I'm hard to fish with. I throw the bait out there. If, the Lord's, if I catch a fish, the Lord has sustained salmon or tuna or whatever for the eons, for, all, for millennia. So I caught that one. <laughs> Everything's for his people. You know what else that means? Man's ordinances. That's for you. That's for you. He created that for you. Speed limits. Uh, those state troopers, California Highway Patrol, that do not bear the sword in vain, that's created for you. Those things. Guess what else? Pneumonia. Hereditary diseases. Operation surgeries, tonsillitis, whatever. The sniffles. Johanna had hiccups yesterday. I thought the Lord gave her hiccups. <laughs> he, he brought that to pass. Hiccups were not there before. He created it and gave it to them. And sickness too, isn't it? Sickness. That reminds us. We'll see this as it goes on. It reminds us of our sin sickness. All this relates to physical. We have all these physical things for multiple reasons. But it's so we see. We that have eyes to see. You've got a horrendous disease that you're about to die from. So what? I don't, people say, I don't want to make light of it. I do want to make light of it. And compared to the sin sickness that all mankind has, that they're going to face a holy God over. Better quit playing church and cry out to God for mercy. That's way more important. I promise. That's why we get wrinkles is because of sin. Did you know that? That's why our bodies break down over time is because of sin. That's why we have ailments. Sin. So my back hurts right now. Sin. <laughs> it's so. Why does a believer get sick? Sin. Why does a believer die? Why does this body finally give up? Sin. 
Couldn't we be translated like Enoch? Couldn't all believers be like Elijah and be carried up in chariots and not have to physically die? No. <laughs> we got to die. Paul tells us in Romans 5, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for they all have sinned. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Well, I didn't eat the fruit of that tree. Yeah, but uh, they died. They didn't have the law of Moses to break, but they died. Because of sin, that moral law. They didn't believe God. That ought to put a, a great impression on that. Man's worried about the Ten Commandments. We don't even, don't even think about the Levitical law. I always tell you about eating a medium well steak and putting a railing on your roof. Hey, the Lord had housing codes. You go to hell because of that. But all that stems from the moral law of not believing God. Thinking you know better than He does. So we get wrinkles. We get the sniffles. Some of us get sick a lot, don't we? Never think that the Lord's punishing sin because of sickness. Don't ever think uh, somebody scare you to death and put you under bondage. That's what the Reformed folks do. Well, you're sick because you did something. What'd you do? No. Knock it off. Stop that. Stop it right now. You hear me? I mean it. Sickness and trial are results of sin, yes. But the Lord's using that. He allows to come to pass for instructing His children, for caring for His children, for calling out His own. He's going to use that to call out His own. That's what we're going to see with Lazarus. The Lord said, I know this happened. You think I didn't know this happened? I'm doing this for my glory, and so you'll believe. Famine was because of sin every time it came into Scripture. Was it because of unbelief? Is that right? But both sickness and famine... or to teach us, or to make us cries out. It's tools the Lord uses for His children. We read that in Acts 14, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Much tribulation, and that's over sin sickness. You're going to have some, a whole bunch of tribulation in the body because uh, we don't like to see our sin. And if we saw all of our sin, we'd explode. The Lord showed us what we are. But we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. That's why I say with confidence and, 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 and a broken heart, people that's never just ill over their sin, there's never shut up to sin. I, I have concern for their souls. I worry for there's no tribulation. There's no illness. You ain't never sick because you're a sinner. The scriptures say that. We must go through much tribulation. Paul wrote this. This must happen. He said, for verily when we were with you, he said, when I was there with you, we told you before that you should suffer tribulation. Paul says, I was there preaching to you. I said, it's going to get bad. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be sickness. He said, even as it came to pass, and ye know. <laughs> if God's going to save you, He's going to shake you up, and you're going to be tore all to pieces, and you'll know. I talk, me and John Reeves talk all the time. And I was explaining something I was going to say in this, and I said, I, I, you know. And he laughs. He said, I, yeah, I know. You know too. And I said, I know. But you're going to know. I can't explain that to a dead person. 
I can't explain that to an unregenerate person. I can't explain two natures to someone that hasn't experienced it. If you're God's, you're going to experience it. And if you ain't God's, you ain't going to know what I'm talking about. It'll be just doctrine. It'll just be something you memorize on a three-by-five card and you can regurgitate around believers and look like you know what you're talking about. You got to. He told Timothy, he said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. What's that? Sickness, trial, affliction, suffering, sorrows, you name it. Whatever. You're going to be miserable. And when you're miserable, the Lord's going to show you what you are and you're going to cry out to Him. That's what's going to happen. Hebrew writer said, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Well, he had a good life, didn't he? <laughs> he, had it, he had it made pretty good. Right there in Pharaoh's house. Choosing rather to suffer affliction. Who does that? With the people of God. True affliction. Everybody in the world suffers affliction. Everybody suffers affliction. Everybody has a hard time. Everybody has to stop at red lights. Should. <laughs> they don't. But should. It happens. But to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Our Lord told us, if those apostles weren't enough, said, These things I have spoken unto you that you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've overcome it. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. You ever read something that just seems new? Like when? How long has that been there? Well, I pray to God to make it real new tonight. New enough to save somebody. Oh, I, I, seriously, I pray the Lord to save somebody in this room tonight. Earnestly. Now, and that ain't some prefab canned response I regurgitate in front of people. I mean it. I pray God breaks somebody's heart tonight. <sighs> Why are we going to have tribulations? In, in, in the body, but especially in, of sin. This was prophesied. Did you know that? So we see Christ. Isaiah 53 says, Surely He hath borne our griefs. You ever grieve over something? He's, I can't explain that. You ever had a sore throat? You ever had a headache? Lord, had, I ain't saying He was ill in His holy body in this world, but the Scriptures say He's bore our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Everything we can imagine, any pain in this body or any pain in the mind, any pain in the heart or, or, or grief over sin, over our guilt. He bore our guilt. I can't explain that. Man can't enter into that and explain it, but it's so. It's so. Romans 8 verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. The Spirit does this. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Oh, it helps our infirmities. Uh, David said that. Happy is the man that has the God of Jacob for his help. Helpeth our infirmities. Verse 27, And he that searcheth the heart, who looks on the heart? God does. Man can't. He that searches the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the capital S Spirit. Why? They're one. <laughs> They're one. Because He maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. When we're sick in our souls or we're sick in our body, 
The Spirit helps us. Christ Almighty, God in human flesh, intercedes for His people. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Our great high priest. Now knowing that, that covers the body, that covers our nature, (laughs) our sin. Singular, the noun, right? Now knowing that. See that? Now read verse 28. And, that's what the ands are for. And we know that all things work together for good. For everybody underneath the sun. Nope. (laughs) To them that love God. Why do we love Him? He first loved us. We're His children. To them who are called according to His purpose. So often, people talk about practical gospels and all that. It's a, it's life. I, it's, you're alive. This is this is my life. This is something I enter into this thing, and I enter into that thing, and I pray for this particular bucket of mercies and that bucket of mercies because I'm so hoopty ha holy. No, <laughs> this is life. If I can take my sin and my burden to the Lord. He bore it. He took that away. I still have to see it. And but He bore that. Can I take an illness? Can I take a sickness? Can I take a head cold or allergies or something like that to the Lord? A sorrow? A trial? Can I take that to Him? We'll see how we do that in the second half. But All this is for our good and it's for His glory. But it's also for the good of our brethren. Why did Lazarus get sick? Why was he about to die? For the good of his brethren. Now turn back in our text there in John 11. John 11 verse 14. The disciples, the Lord said he sleeps and he said, well, why would we got to go there if you'd wake him up from a nap? <laughs> That's a long way. Somebody there can wake him up. I'm pretty sure Martha and Mary, they lived with him his whole life. They know how to throw rocks at him or water or pull his toe or something. They're not, why are you talking about that? So our Lord's clear to us children that don't understand everything underneath the sun. Verse 14, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> he ain't sleeping. His body is. He's dead. That's what you're concerned. And I am glad. I'm glad he's dead. For your sakes that I was not there. To the intent, ye, ye may Believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Nevertheless, it's going to happen. Let's do it. (laughs) He allowed Lazarus to die so his disciples could believe Christ. Isn't that good? Isn't that precious? Isn't that wise? So his sister Mary and his sister Martha could believe the Lord. That our brethren believe. Does that make sickness a little more bearable? You got some something horrendous right right now. I know several brethren. I know a lot of brethren. We have brethren in this congregation, multiple brethren that are are bad off, bad off, and that's so God could call out His children and make His other ones believe. Doesn't that make it a little more bearable? Doesn't that make you quit quit moaning and yapping and murmuring so much? And exhaling all the time, and that's for them. That's for them to be called out, and that they're comforted. We have trials and sickness to be a comfort to our brethren that are going through the same thing down the road that we've already been through. We're just loading our gun right now. If you're in the middle of it, there's going someday. There's going to be 
man raised up to pastor a church that's going, that's going to go through the same things that I've been through and I can look him dead in the eye with experience and say, this is why it happens. I'm, I'm your brother. I'm here with you. Here's why. You're going to be all right. That's what Peter wrote to us there in 1 Peter 5. Whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions, same suffering, same sickness, same trials, same whatever, sorrows, the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We have brothers and sisters out there somewhere going through the same thing we're going through. That gives me comfort. It saves the Lord's people and it comforts the Lord's people. That's a good reason to have sickness, isn't it? Imagine this. I thought about this. Put it in shoe leather with old brother Lazarus, okay? We're there in Lazarus' day. The Lord raised him from the dead. And I'm on my deathbed. I've never been on my deathbed like that when I'm about to really die. I'm about to leave this world. I've never left this world yet. And this body of sin is giving in its death throes and tormenting you. That old man just swinging for the fences on the last one. Drive you crazy. And Brother Lazarus walks in, comes to visit you, and says, Oh, my brother, or oh, my sister, I've lived through this already. <laughs> I can tell you with experience, our Lord's going to speak comfort to your heart. You're about to be with Him. He's going to speak comfort to your heart, and He will strengthen you in whatever strength is required in His power. I promise. And you're going to look Him face to face. Whenever you rise, I promise. Wouldn't that be nice to, for you if you was laying on the deathbed? Have a brother, a child of God that was patient and tender and caring and long-suffering come in there and tell you this. I've lived through this. I know what you're going through. I, you're scared and you're, you're worried. You're looking to your work some and, and, and you know better. But I've lived it. Sickness, long-term illness, trials in this world. That's a precious thing. That's a precious time for the whole body of believers. It's a temporary joy for the believer because in a vapor that this life is, that's going to be over, as soon as it's over, that opportunity to comfort a brother is gone. Do you know that? When we die and we're not in this world no more, that opportunity to weep with someone, that opportunity to be kind and have a kind word to say, when you want to be instructive, stop being instructive and start saying, I'm sorry. I don't hear I'm sorry hardly ever anymore in this nation. I hate to hear that. Oh, Lord, I'll pray for you. That's a good thing to say. That's a good thing, isn't it? To weep with one of God's sheep. That opportunity to do all these things, it's going to be gone. That's a privilege we have only in this world. Why? Because when this life's over, John wrote, said, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You're never going to cry again. All tears, He's going to wipe away. And there shall be no more death. You cannot comfort a brother or sister who's lost a loved one. There ain't going to be no more death. Neither sorrow, no more sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. A whole lot of people's hurting. The Lord gave it, though most of it, the means might be self-inflicted. But there ain't going to be no more pain. We have an opportunity to comfort one another. 
People say they want, they want to work the works of God. Here's your chance. <laughs> James and John was talking about, here you go. Believe Christ and love your brethren. Love them. Love them like you love a two-day-old infant. What do you do to a two-day-old infant? You smile at it. You say gooey is and God is and nice things, don't you? And you hug it and love it. That's it. You don't teach it how to walk. You don't teach it how to talk. You don't do nothing to it. Just love it. Lord, teach it them things. That's your opportunity. Sickness stirs up our pure minds, don't it? When we physically have sickness in these bodies. And you got to get kind of bad sometimes. Not the sniffles won't do it. And we think on our brethren that's ill. You have cancer scare or something like that. You think of our brethren right now in another state. Ate up with cancer, don't you? You think what an encouragement that man is. How strong that man is. How kind that man is. And you th- what do you, who do you think? Well, well he's just a, a strong boy. The Lord's done that. Christ is coming out of him. That new heart's are speaking, isn't it? We must be made aware of the trials and the illnesses or we don't know what to pray for. We have to be made aware of those things. Hold on your horses. Not gossip. There's a difference. What we start off saying. The only difference you can tell is sometimes you can't tell. It's the heart that means it, don't it? There's a difference between gossip and knowing you need to pray for somebody. Good for them to bring it up. I tell you, tell your brethren. Don't let somebody else tell them. You tell them. I've heard things that I don't know what mean. Unspoken prayer. What is that? I'll tell you exactly what it is. Can we tell you? It's a self-righteous way of saying, look at me. I know something you don't know. Or that person, oh, there's something going on. What do you think it might be? I don't know. They didn't tell me. I bet it's this. You know how I know that? I got an old man that does it. (laughs) I do. I know it's so. I know it's so. Or if it's for another person, come talk to me later. I'll tell you about it. That's a position of power and knowledge and authority, isn't it? You're making yourself rulers of men. Stop it. Hear me? I'm giving you good advice. I told you. Like Paul said, that suffering's going to come. You'll see. You'll know. (laughs) Turn over to James chapter 5. James talks about this. We'll see the context too. I I see this tossed around a bunch as a whip uh, by people that seem to be ignorant of love and, and understanding. And it ought not be. There's times we cannot mention what it is because we don't know. There's times we ought not mention to protect other brethren when it's more than one of them involved. But the prayer's the same, isn't it? Does it make a difference? If something's wrong with you, does my prayer for you change? No, it's the same. Lord, save. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have your presence with that person. Is that it? Just our weeping and our relating is different if we know. That's the only thing that changes. Look here in James 5, verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let me ask it this way. Anybody here got afflictions? Is anybody afflicted? I pray you are. Let him pray. <laughs> How do we know that, that Saul was a child of God? He prayed. Well, I just ain't that afflicted. You better pray to God you get afflicted. <laughs> If there's any among you afflicted in the body, in the mind, the soul, whatever, let him pray. If there, is there any that's merry? Are you not afflicted today? Good. Sing psalms. Sing psalms. Is any sick among you? 
Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. That's not literally. If I get sick, I don't want you men coming to my house and hovering over me like some kind of weird thing going on and putting oil on my forehead. No. Have some understanding. <laughs> it said the elders. The elders knew what he's talking about. Pray over and pray about them. Have them on your heart because you ain't going to be able to keep them off your heart. And anoint them with oil. What's that? The oil of gladness. The gospel. <laughs> Christ saved sinners whom I'm chief. That means he'll save you too. <laughs> you know him. You love him. Lean on him. Anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith. Prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now he says, confess your faults to one another. That doesn't mean have a sinning contest. And that doesn't mean you confess your sins to man. But you confess your faults of what you are. You confess your faults of body. I got a, a, a bum ankle and a bum knee and that makes for a bum hip. And, and this whole side cramps up. <laughs> it does. But what other faults do I have? Unbelief. I, I spent most of today not believing God. Why? I'm a sinner. And I get so low on myself because of that. And then I remember, uh, He saves sinners. <laughs> he eats with them. We're going to sit at His table. And I see Him, not myself, and I'm lifted up. Because He's lifted me up. Are some immune to that? The pastors get a break because we're just working so hard, laboring in the Word. Uh, negative. <laughs> negative. If some young fella in here or some young one down the road, the Lord ever calls you to preach, be a pastor, let me tell you something. If the Lord's going to put you in the ministry, there will be a lot of tribulation. There will be a lot of physical illness. You said, Think of the people we know. Either them themselves or their spouses are... Tormented in the body, tormented in the mind, tormented in the soul. Old John Rusk wrote that. He said, I want a preacher that seems like he feels like he's been torn limb from limb and he's starving to death, don't know where he's going to get his next meal. That sounds so elegant, doesn't it? That sounds so churchy and religious-y until you're the guy getting torn limb from limb you don't know where you'll get your next meal. I think I got a message for, for believers in San Diego County tonight. The second this is over, I'm going to have trouble going to sleep because I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning with nothing. Empty pockets. I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to get sick, ill. Sometimes I get real sick in the body, don't I? It's going to happen. But that's a good thing. That comes with some precious, precious benefits. I get to see my Lord. I get to watch Him work and His people. I look them in the eye when I preach to them. <laughs> Old Tom Harding said, I just had a little pastor's intuition, Kevin. And I said, uh-huh. That man looked me in the eye while he preached to me. He wasn't a fool. Back in our text, there in John 11. What's the, what is part of the purpose of this sickness? This affliction and trials and tribulations for believers. This ain't for unbelievers. All things ain't going to work out for good. If you ain't loved of God, uh, I got bad news for you. And you need to hear it now before eternity comes. If you ain't a child of God, everything ain't going to work out for your good. It's going to be for your bad. Leave my good, not for your good. This is for believers. What's, a, what's part of the purpose for this? It's, we know it calls them out and it, and it comforts them and strengthens them and gives them other sheep to be with so they're not alone in this world. Also prayer. 
calling out to the Lord. The Lord makes us sick in, in mind, body, and spirit to call out to Him. It says in verse 3, Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. They sent to him because they couldn't go there. Does someone pray to the Father on our behalf? The Spirit does. <laughs> and the groanings can't be uttered. It interprets all the things we should say to the Father. Because we don't know what to ask for. We don't know how to ask for these things. We're just little children. But they sent someone to the Lord. And they said, Lord, behold, him who thou lovest is sick. We send our petitions to the Lord. We entreat the Lord, don't we? This is plenty to learn here. I'll try to go quick. Three things I want to touch on. First, they called on the Lord. Not a religious person. They didn't call to a neighbor. They didn't call to family. They didn't call to local experts. They called on Him who is able. Because they knew He was able. The great physician. Now don't miss this. They sent to the Lord, Lazarus is sick. But Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they did use the means that God gave them. You understand that? Lazarus was sitting there sick as a dog and they, they put wet towels on him or they put aloe on his forehead to cool his fever. And, and they changed the, the bed sheets and they put a poultice on his chest and tucked it up with a big old blanket so he could breathe it in. Or they rolled him on his side. They say he breathes better if he lays on his side. Put him on his side. They did those things. They used good sense that they had. If the Lord gives me food, if I have food, Lord gave it, right? And, it, and i got to take a spoon and put it in my mouth. Don't you? He gave me the power and the motivation to do that. That's Him too. But God Almighty puts me through the motions. He clothes me. Every stitch of clothes I own, that's His. He owns it. He gave it to me. But i got to put my pants on one leg at a time. Don't know. i got to put the clothes on. He gave me a job i got to get up in the mornings and show up on time and work as unto Him. <laughs> that goes through the motions. They called on the only one that could help. The only one that can heal. They called on the Lord. Second, why did they call to Christ? The trial the Lord sent Mary and Martha caused them to cry unto the Lord. They would have never cried that Lazarus is sick if Lazarus wasn't sick. Does that seem too simple? I thought of the last time I felt great. I mean, you just wake up. Man, I just feel really good today. Everything's kind of limber and I'm breathing good. And everyone I know is doing pretty good. Don't know anybody local that's going through nothing too rough. And the weather's nice. I'm in a great mood. I'm doing something real fun. Tell you what I wasn't doing. Calling on the Lord. Now, I may have thanked Him for a brief moment. Lord, thank You for this day, but for a brief moment. And I fear too often it's just lip service in me. Do I really mean it or is this checking the block because that's what we're supposed to do? How many times do we check the block in prayer? I ask myself this. You ask yourself this. How many times do we check the block in prayer? I'll tell you who can reveal that to you. Get a little tiny kid come up and ask you some questions. Get a three-year-old come ask you. That's what will reveal it. Mommy, daddy, grandpa, grandpa, uncle, cousin, friend, neighbor, whatever. Why do you pray before you eat? Well, child, we thank God for all the food that He's given. He's provided this for us. We ask it for nourishments to our bodies. Well, why don't you pray when you eat ice cream? Because I'm a hypocrite. 
I'm not truly thankful. I have unbelief. I'm a sinner. And all of a sudden, I get real sick in my soul. Maybe we pray at the big meals, don't we? Maybe that shows I'm more of a sinner than I'd like to admit I am. How about you? I wish I could quit playing religion. But when you're in serious sickness and trial, you'll cry out then, won't you? Heathens will cry out too, but not for His glory and His will. What was their reasoning? Their heart, what was the heart of their prayer? What was the foundation of their prayer? It says, For his sister sent unto him, verse 3, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. The sisters did not say, that one that loves you sick, did they? Aren't you thankful the love of God towards a people isn't conditioned on their love to him? They didn't say, you've stayed in our house 16 times. Boy, we've cooked you a lot of meals. We've washed all the dishes that you've ate off of. No, uh uh-uh. He whom thou lovest is sick. They knew that was the most important thing ever. Somebody said, asked me one time, I said, do you love Jesus? And I said, I do, but that real don't matter. <laughs> matters if He loves me. If He loves me, I will love Him. He first loved me. That'll happen. But it don't matter if I do or not. Matter He does. It don't matter what I think of Him. It matters what His thoughts of me are. His thoughts towards me. There's contradictory prayer. Did you know that? When we ask for stuff and things, because we don't know what to ask for. It's good just to state something to the Lord. North and South during the Civil War, both sides prayed, didn't they? Unregenerates on each side prayed to win. Not a good little anecdotes and jokes about those things to go around. But I'll tell you what, God's sheep on either side prayed. They petitioned the Lord for mercy, and they petitioned the Lord that His will be done, and grace to bear His providence, however this turns out. Both sides were answered. They received grace, they received mercy, and the Lord's will was done. If we pray for the Lord to heal our loved ones, it's about to pass this world, and to keep them with us. That might be contrary to what Christ prays. Father, I will that they also, not everybody, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. That will either make you mad or glad. That's, that's, a, that's a good head nod or tell you've got a loved one on a deathbed, isn't it? You either get mad or you'll get glad. But both times you'll be sad, won't you? <laughs> you'll weep and that's okay. We'll see that next week. David wept too. Turn over to Second Samuel and I'll wrap it up. I've gone too long as it is. Second Samuel. Second Samuel 12. <clears throat> Our text reads, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. They didn't instruct the Lord on what to do. They didn't tell the Lord to do anything. Lord, will you please do this? Lord, will you please do that? They just said, behold, lo, attention, the one that you love sick. They knew he knew. They're not informing the Lord. We always try to inform the Lord. Now, Lord, now this one over here is sick. He knows. You know what that also means? Behold. How could it be? Lord, you love him. Come to us. He's sick. Now we're sick over this. That's a child of God. How could a child of God go through so much pain and trouble? Oh, Spurgeon did that. He died at a young age. He was 52 or 58 years old. 
Whenever he died, for 28 years, that man suffered immensely. His congregation would send him down to the coast of France, which is pretty nice, because his body physically couldn't handle the, the, the things going on in it. And three times he tried quitting on them. He said, I'm not going to be your pastor no more. You call somebody else. They said, absolutely not. You are our pastor. That's a work done in the heart. It's not, you can't hire a pastor. God has to, it's like marriage. He has to make it in the heart. He said, you're our pastor. Now you go down there and recoup. One time it was six months. They did most of his writing down there. That happens sometimes, doesn't it? And you think, how could it be? How could it be? All throughout history, the top lady and all of them. And in our day too, everyone I know. A month and a half ago we read this, but it's not too soon. <laughs> it's not too soon for us to read it again. Let's look at Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 14. Nathan had just come to David and said, uh, you know this man you're mad at? You agree with me, if it belongs to somebody else. Do you agree with me what he did's wrong? That's you. You're the man. So the Lord is going to do something about it. Verse 2 Samuel 12, verse 14. How be it because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. I pray I never do that. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted. And that wasn't he was doing certain religious work. He couldn't eat. And David fasted and went in and lay all night upon earth. Will you get up in bed, David? I'm like, I can't move. He laid on the earth, didn't he? And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth. Pick him up. You grab arm, I grab arm. But he would not. Neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake to him. He wouldn't hearken to our voice. And how will he then vex himself if we tell him the child's death? He's in this bad of shape when this kid was sick. Imagine what's going to happen when we say, He's gone, David. He's dead. Verse 19, But when David saw that his servants whispered, Dad always told me it wasn't polite to whisper. <laughs> That ain't good, is it? When he saw his servants whisper, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. You know what the Lord told the disciples? Lazarus is dead. He's dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He got up shaved his face, took a shower, put some cologne on, put a little deodorant on, put a new fresh set of clothes on. He didn't look like some man that's wild and, oh, and mourning and whooping and poking around. Cleaning his face, he went and worshipped God. And he came to his own house, and when he required, he asked for food. They set bread before him. He ate it. <laughs> he ate this whole time, seven days. Right as rain. And his servant said unto him, Why did all this happen? What happened with Lazarus? The Lord said, so you might believe. Sometimes God will kill somebody real close to you so He can teach you the gospel. And his servant said unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou stood fast and weep for the child while he's alive, but when the child's dead, now you're going to rise up and eat. We'd be sad now. You ain't sad now. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God be gracious to me that the child may live. 
but now he's dead. Wherefore should I fast? <laughs> the Lord answered my prayer. That's something they said, Behold, Lord, the one thou lovest is sick. There's no contingencies on that. If you come and raise him, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. It's right either way. David said, But now he's dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. I'll go to be with the Lord with him, where he is now, because he departed from this body to be with the Lord. I'll go to where he is. He ain't coming back here. I'm going to take some butter and put it on my bread. He went and he sat in the shade tree and ate a ham sandwich. It was right. What the Lord did was right. And that's for his glory. We'll look at it next week. There in our text, John 11, verse 4 says, verse 3, Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Why me? Why do I have to bear what I bear? Why do you have to bear what you bear? It's not unto death. That's good news. That's gospel. Our sins have been put away as far as the east is from the west. But it's for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. I wish I could remember that every time I got a cold coming on. Every time I got a lint coming on. Every time a storm moved into the area and aches and pains come or as I'm on my deathbed. This is for God's glory and His people's good. Amen. All right. I don't have to sing to you tonight. Brother Mike's here. <laughs> you can come lead us.